session with Dr. Farid Holaku. Good afternoon. Welcome to In Session. I'm your host, Dr. Fadi Tolakwi, and I'll be with you for the next two hours here on Radio Hamra. Studio number to call in, 310-441-0555. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist, so you can call in with any questions related to clinical psychology, including any emotional, psychological issues, parenting issues, and relationship issues as well. You can also follow me on Twitter or Instagram or like my page on Facebook to get updates on the show or suggest topics or books for the program. The shows are uploaded at the end of each week to my SoundCloud page and podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Again, our studio number, 310-441-0555. I wanted to start the show today talking about uh, an aspect or a distinction in communication when it comes to relationships, something that I've talked about before, but wanted to present in a slightly different way. So let me start it like this. There's a difference between saying something that upsets or hurts your partner and saying something to hurt your partner. So there's a difference between saying something that hurts your partner and a difference to something to hurt your partner. So when you talk about that, that means that you're saying something and your partner might not like it or it might make them upset or momentarily hurt their feelings. But when you say you're saying something to hurt their feelings, that means your intention is to hurt them. Your intention is to cause damage. And the first one, the intention can be good when you say something that might hurt your partner. The intention can be good and actually beneficial to the relationship the second one, when we say something to hurt our partner's feelings, that is with bad intentions and it damages the relationship. Now, this might seem obvious. I don't think anyone thinks it's good to say something to hurt your partner's feelings, um, although it's very common it does happen. Sometimes when we get angry, even in a good relationship, you might say something in that moment because you want to hurt them to hurt them. And unfortunately, in some relationships and people's relationship styles, that are abusive or toxic or approach relationships in this way, they might intentionally want to harm their partner. And of course, this extends to all types of communication, but specifically, we can put a, a more of a magnifying glass looking at relationships or romantic relationships where there's more of the intimacy and more need to have this type of healthy communication and avoid the toxic types of communication. But the reason why I bring it up is because although no one would say I should say something to hurt my partner, because we think it's bad to hurt our partner, people avoid saying something that might hurt their partner, although it might actually help the relationship and build a healthier relationship. So because they think I should never hurt my partner, then I shouldn't say something if they won't like it. But that's a very, very bad and unhealthy mindset to have, because if we do that, that means we're going to avoid talking about the important and necessary issues that need to be addressed in order to maintain a relationship. And that word maintain to me is very important because a lot of times we look at relationships as this static thing. You find the right person, 
you get into a relationship where you, and you get married, let's say, and that's it. You've made the relationship and it's done as if it's some um, something that's just now frozen in time. But we have to look at a relationship as a living thing that requires time and attention and in that sense needs to be maintained and also can be built upon and grown and should be growing during the course of your relationship. So rather than seeing it as something frozen, we need to see the relationship as something living and anything that's living needs time and attention and love to keep going and to stay strong. So you can imagine two partners and one of them is feeling upset about something. Uh, let's say the partner said or feeling unhappy in the relationship and they reflect and they think, okay, I'm not feeling good. They get in touch with that feeling. Uh, but you know what? I think it's going to make my partner feel sad if I bring it up. So because I shouldn't say anything that ever hurts my partner, that's being a good partner is not hurting them. I shouldn't say anything. And this is where the distinction is very important. You have to ask yourself, is my intention to hurt my partner? I just want to insult them or put them down. Or am I thinking of saying something that might hurt my partner? But I think it's actually with good intentions towards um, helping me feel better, helping them learn about what I'm feeling. And then also very importantly, helping our relationship to grow, to grow together and also make sure we don't grow apart because that, what, that is what happens when we avoid talking about these issues. So here it brings up another distinction that you've maybe heard me talk about before when we talk about pain and discomfort. And I use this a lot actually with parenting because I think it's very important how parents approach their kids. But determining or distinguishing between pain that is damage and pain that leads to growth. And the analogy I often use is when we look at working out or exercise. So when you're working out, we, we say no pain, no gain, and that's very true. In order to get benefits from working out, in order to build muscle and to get healthier, you need to push yourself out of your comfort zone and embrace some level of pain or, or discomfort. I think uh, Muhammad Ali had some kind of quote like, I only start counting when it starts to hurt because that's when it counts. So if you don't face some type of pain or discomfort, if you say I'm going to lift weights, but as soon as it hurts a little bit, I'm going to stop, you're, you're never going to build any muscle or really develop anything in your health. So you need to embrace that pain. However, you also have to be aware that there's some pain that's damage. You could be, for example, tearing the muscle. When you're building muscle, there are these microscopic tears that happen. But if you are um, pushing it too much, you could strain and even pull or tear a muscle in a very unhealthy way that's damaging. Or you can damage ligaments or, you know, your knees, your elbows, um, things, tendons, ligaments, things like that. that. That is pain that is damage, not pain that is growth. So we always have to make this distinction also with ourselves, but with our relationships. Is this pain leading to damage or an indication of damage? Or is this pain an indication of growth. Because unfortunately, I've also worked with people or you see people talk about their relationships and they sometimes think, well, you know, yeah, it's hurting because this is a good relationship and really intense, passionate relationships. They should hurt. And yes, there's going to be pain and discomfort and a relationship is going to give you ups and downs and almost always is going to pull 
uh, and poke at some of your deepest issues and insecurities, that is going to happen. But a unhealthy, toxic relationship or one that involves disrespect, violence, aggression is never a healthy thing and not at all an indication of healthy or strong love or passionate love. It's a sign that you are bonding with someone over your dysfunction. So the dysfunction is running the show, not the healthy, functional part of what you would hope would be the foundation of your relationship. And the issues are also there, but the foundation is something healthy. So we have to be aware that just because love is hurting doesn't mean it's a healthy or strong love. Some people have experienced only love that involved a lot of pain, whether it was through physical abuse, emotional abuse, constant chaos and arguments and and disagreements, that it's hard for them to understand love without pain. So we have to always look at our own foundational relationships with our parents within our home, the marriage that they had together, because that's going to form the foundation of what we tend to think is going to make a healthy relationship or is going to be what we expect in love or we don't know if we're feeling love until we feel that pain, unfortunately. So we have to be very aware of that. But coming back to the um, person who has this feeling that comes up. So if they just think I should never hurt my partner, then they think or say something my partner doesn't like. Then if they are upset or hurt in the relationship, their first reaction is maybe they think something, they think, oh, you know what, I shouldn't bring it up. And they hold it in. And unfortunately, I work with couples who have held things in for too long. And rather than this preventing hurting your partner being good, it's led to a few things. One is it leads to building up of resentment, because if you don't share those feelings, they don't go away. And oftentimes, if you don't share those feelings, it's about something that's ongoing in the relationship and the issues just become worse and more ingrained in the relationship and the resentment is just going to build. And so because of that and related to that, when you don't share what's going on, you're also going to create more distance between each other. So as I mentioned, the relationship can grow and you can grow together, but sadly, you can also grow apart. And so if I'm not sharing with you what's bothering me, What I'm going to learn to do is avoid you more or get less close to you, or there's going to be a lack of a possibility of closeness if I'm not sharing with you what is making me upset or what's hurting me in the relationship. So in that moment, it might seem like I have a choice of either saying something that might hurt or upset my partner or not. If we look at it just that way, kind of binary black and white, well, then it can seem like, well, of course I shouldn't hurt my partner. And that's why it's important to make that distinction. Am I saying something to hurt my partner intentionally to cause harm? Or am I saying something that might hurt my partner, but can be beneficial and important for me, for my partner, and for our relationship? Even in therapy, I've sometimes worked with couples and let them know when I'm encouraging you to share these things with your partner, it's not because you want to hurt them or you want them to feel bad. It's actually because you love them so much that you are saying something to them. I love you so much and I love our relationship so much that I want to share this with you. So my intention is not to hurt you, to make you feel bad, to damage our relationship. My intention is actually the opposite of all of that. Because I love you, care about you, care about our relationship and want it to be good and strong that I'm saying something. So this might seem obvious, but in the moment, we're almost always going to be drawn towards the easier option. 
uh, we, we want to say something, but we think it could be awkward or uncomfortable, and so we hold it in. And the same thing is true about the recipient. You're enjoying your day, everything seems okay to you, and now your partner brings up something that's a little bit uncomfortable, might even feel annoying, uh, might be something they're saying you're not doing, so you might even feel insulted or criticized in some way which doesn't feel good. So the recipient also can have a similar type of reaction or the other side of that reaction of, why are you hurting me? Why are you attacking me? Why are you making me feel bad? And so we have to be open as the recipient of that or as members of a partnership that we're going to have to say and we want our partner to tell us if we are hurting them. Imagine if you're holding your partner's hand, but you don't know that the part of their hand you're holding on too tight is actually very sore or bruised, so it's hurting them. Now, they could either tell you, you know, the way you're holding my hand hurts because of this part of my hand is bruised, but because they don't want to upset you, maybe they'll think I shouldn't say anything. Would you want them to continue being hurt by you, even if you're doing it unintentionally? Would you want them to continue to be hurt by you or would you want to be told even if it's uh, uncomfortable or means you have to change something or means you might have to look at what you're doing and, and recognize that there is some pain you're causing your partner I would hope that it's very obvious that although you don't want to hurt them and you don't want to face what's going on you'd rather know it's the same thing I deal with with parents when at times they don't give space to their child to share their negative feelings I say look if your child had a really bad cold and was in their room, would you want them to hide their cold from you and not tell you and not let you help them? Or would you want them to tell you? So of course you don't want them to be sick, but if they are, you should want to know and you will want to know. Similarly in a relationship, if your partner is hurt, you don't want them to be upset or sad or disappointed in you or hurt by something you did, but I would hope that you would want to know if that is the case. And you should also recognize that no matter what, if you're dealing with a relationship of any length of time, you're going to do things that upset them. You're not perfect. And not only it's not even about being perfect, but we have different ways of relating, communicating, things come up, we have bad days, where of course, if I ask you in the last five years, do you think you've done something that hurt your partner and you think no, you're really out of touch with reality and what's actually going on. Of course, you've done some things unintentionally, hopefully, um, that, is, that have hurt your partner. So we should really think, okay, if I've definitely done something my partner doesn't like, I would think I would want to know rather than not know it. So I want my partner to tell me. I want them to let me know if I've hurt them or upset them in some way, rather than to be ignorant of it or think they need to hold it inside. And especially because I've hurt them, I'd want to know, but I definitely want to know to understand it, resolve it, and to make sure I don't keep doing those things. So as the recipient, we will hopefully create the mindset that it might be annoying in the moment, it might not feel as good as hearing something nice or not hearing something at all when it comes to these types of things, but that I want to embrace this and, and recognize this as part of maintaining, building, creating, and continue to grow uh, a healthy relationship with my partner. Might not feel good in the moment, but like anything that involves growth, sometimes it doesn't feel good to get to that place. And of course, as the person sharing what we're saying, you can't just say, well, my intention is good. I can say it however I want. How we express it, it doesn't mean that now that I'm saying it's okay that it might hurt or upset your partner, you can say it in any way that hurts. You want to minimize the way you hurt them or you want to be aware not to uh, 
um, hurt them more than is necessary. So you want to be genuine and open, but at the same time, be aware that there's kindness in how you share even what you're upset about with your partner. I think sometimes we feel this need that I have to show a threshold has been meant has been met that is worthy for me to share it so we get even more angry. Oh, what you're doing is so bad, look how bad it is, because we have to prove it's worth bringing up. But if we actually recognize the threshold is lower that we always want to share and you don't have to prove that it's so worth it or such a big deal, that makes it a lot easier for you to share it with kindness and love that you're unhappy or upset about something or hurt by something. And even the intention shouldn't be to blame your partner because sometimes it's something we're sensitive about, something our partner might not be aware of. Hopefully we'll have the mindset that my partner has good intentions, doesn't want to hurt me. And because of that, we can approach it as, okay, my partner did something they didn't realize hurt me and I want to bring it to their attention. So again, the the key distinction is it's good and can be actually very healthy to say something that might hurt your partner. And that's very different from the unhealthy of saying something to hurt your partner. Let's go to our first commercial break. Studio number 310-441-0555. We'll be right back. Let's go to a caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Hello. Hello. Yes, hi. Thanks for calling. Hello there. Uh, we spoke last week, if you remember. Oh, that's right. Yes. We didn't have enough time to. But sorry. Yeah. Um, you, you know, just yeah, speak so for myself um, and also for anyone who wasn't listening last time, it might be good to give a little recap um, of your situation, yeah. but then we can dive back into it. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I'm 19 right now, mm-hmm. uh, and I mean, I live in the UK, and I was uh, born in Iran, and I moved to the UK when I was around uh, 12 or 11, 12. So I've been studying here, and obviously I know the Persian language as well, and as well as I was brought up in, with the culture of Iran, mm-hmm. but I was in the UK uh, culture, so I learned that as well. Um, currently, I'm applying to go to university and stuff, and it's just... My, it's just a question about myself and uh, how to like better myself, you know, like what kind of courses I could do, like to take, to like be able to learn about, you know, my emotional side, because uh, I know there's like different types of courses you can take and stuff. And also about my relationship with my current girlfriend, mm-hmm. who is Indian, but was born in the UK. Yeah. That's right. I remember that was one of the last things I think you brought up, um, that yeah. you're father was not in favor because he was saying there's a cultural difference and we got into it a little bit uh, talking about it a little bit about how um you know for me culture is is very important or just in general matching but culture just as a label of indian iranian american or whatever it might be uh, is not as important of how the person is because the label is less important than actually who you are uh, culturally and your values and different things like that so to me it wouldn't be a reason for you and her not to be together but it is something to look at and be aware of are there some differences because of culture and other issues that could be a problem but to me the labels itself are just right off the bat that wouldn't make it so you should not be together right what about religion because she's a hindu and uh, obviously i'm a like as an identity i'm a muslim but we're both not the very practicing type mm-hmm. so like, but I still follow the guidelines, for example, I don't know, not to eat pork, you know, don't touch alcohol. But for example, she is not allowed to eat beef, So and uh, but she drinks alcohol and stuff like that. So it's like, 
just these small things like will that ever work because if a kid is brought into this and obviously I'm not trying to think about that in the future like good but if I stay with this girl mm -hmm. it could be a chance it will go on and it's just well you know well, of course, it, you know, definitely can be an issue. So um, it's not to say that because it's like you don't eat pork and she doesn't eat beef, like it w will or won't be an issue. These things are really important. Yeah. As you said, you're both maybe not practicing so much, but you do practice some or you don't consider yourself very religious, but you practice some of these, the rules um, and laws of the yeah, religions. Exactly. It, you know, it, these things can have an impact on how we see things. So, for example, um, maybe you don't consider yourself very religious, but you have to be aware of, let's say, where uh, not drinking alcohol probably was, or drinking alcohol was looked at in a negative way or might have had negative value yeah. in your family. Now, how much you've internalized that is, is something for you to look at. Could affect how you see yeah. her drinking, even, you know, maybe consciously, you're like, oh, I think it's okay, people drink, I know it's common, I can accept it, but it could emotionally make you feel something because from a young age you've heard something or seen it as a, a bad thing or impure or, you know, yeah. whatever it might be. So that's what I would want you to look at, not just, well, is this itself an issue, but it's that how much do I feel about these things really in an honest way and then yeah when you get older and getting married and then possibly having kids those issues can come up that people might realize they didn't realize they cared as much as they they thought they did about certain issues because it starts yeah. to become more emotional rather than when you just think about it it feels it's very logical and just oh you know who cares I don't think religion is important so I'm not going to care when my kids come and then you know they wake up one day and realize they're having fights about something they never thought they would fight about yeah, of course, of course. And um, just for example, right now, like when I, because obviously around my life right now, a lot of my friends drink, the girlfriend drinks, and it's like people drink all the time. So it's kind of normal for me to see, right? Mm -hmm. I'm okay with it doing it. But at the same time, it's like this inside me, there's this little thing. It's like when my girlfriend goes out drinking or so, I just go like, ah, well, why? It's like, even though I'm a coach, look out, you know, if she says I'm going to town, I'm going to be like, mm -hmm. well, I'm not going to have a go at her or anything. I'm not going to have a fight with her to not go. It's just up to her. It's cho her choice. I mean, you know, but at the same time, I've got this little inside me. It's like, well, ah, come on, what are you doing? Don't do it. What if, what if she goes and drinks so much that she ends up cheating? Uh -huh. like, these are insecurities inside myself. And obviously, I mean, they might not show it in day to day life, but it's just, it's still there. So how can I like, counter these or tackle them or just you know because I don't want them to be inside me forever yeah well I think um, I, we wouldn't want them to be inside you forever but the first thing is really trying to understand them and um, being aware of what they are where they're coming from and you might be able to over time have them become less or change them but we can't just think okay it's something and i don't think it i need to feel this way so let me make it go away you know these are real these are genuine feelings that are coming up and seems like as is often the case, lots of different issues can blend together. So there does seem to be something you don't like about drinking, even though, you know, you're saying you're okay with it, seeing your friends and people doing it. So, but there's something you don't like. And then on top of that, it brings up these insecurities or these issues related to cheating or infidelity that also concern yeah. you. But the way you're saying it, it's like you're maybe okay with it. Even that might be hard to totally say, but you would much rather yeah. she did not drink. Exactly. It's like, just no, don't put yourself in that situation for it to ever happen. But at the same time, I've been reading online for like different uh, psychology forms and stuff, and it's been saying, well, sometimes you just got to either stay or you got to leave if you're not having a good time. 
But the thing is, though, it's it's a bit hard here because I'm having a great time. We're both having a great time, and mm-hmm. there's no like I'm not seeing any signs of you know any unfaithfulness or anything like that. But it's just that still comes back. I'm wondering maybe it's because I remember you said last week because my issue with my mother, mother who mm-hmm. uh, left when I was four because of the divorce. That's right. Because my me and my dad, they didn't really match at all in any sense. So that's why. Because um, I asked my dad, I was like, well, what was the actual reason? And that's what it was. They didn't match in any way. And there were always fights and just differences. So they decided to divorce. And then you said to me, maybe I could have brought those emotions of like uh, being secured by a woman and, you know, their unfaithfulness and stuff like that, that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, and I, I remember, and I'm glad you mentioned that again as far as reminding me, but it's a very unfortunate thing you had to experience that we would almost have to expect that it's going to have an impact on how you can feel about yourself but especially about women and relationships and especially in the context of them staying or sticking around because of what you yeah. went through so y- your parents not being a match yeah, that can be a very uh, reasonable cause for divorce but then her not being in your life um I, you know i don't obviously know the details and it seems like you might not know all of them either but that was definitely not yeah. fair to you or okay uh, and that could definitely lead to things that you feel. Now, um, when when I hear the story, of course, I think what was your you know your mom doing and the, the responsibilities on her that she left. But unfortunately, as a kid, a lot of times we internalize this feeling that something about me made this happen or also uh, I should expect this can happen again with women in my life. Th- there could be those right. expectations that you might have that are not always going to be there. So it doesn't mean every moment that's how you're thinking and you're, you might be with your girlfriend and things are great, but then it gets triggered in these moments, you know, when she's maybe going out or something, that that's when it triggers these insecurities or these fears start to to come up. And, and that could be definitely difficult, obviously, for you to deal with. Um, and it's hard to say, well, should you... Yeah, obviously, it's easy to say either leave or stay. That's true. But it's more complicated than that because you probably want to work on these issues regardless. It doesn't matter to me if you stay with her or not. You would want to look at these yeah, well, issues of what's happened in your past and how they might impact you. Um, but you're also in a relationship now, so it's not like you can just put press pause, work on it, and come back. And, and so you have to figure out yeah. what to do now as well. So, and then it's just and another thing is, though, because um, obviously that's why I called and I was like, well, should I break this off now because of this kid issue in the future or should I just put my foot down and just continue and just try to work it best that's on my yeah. here. because my dad's saying at the same time he's like well um, he's for example he said he could I could do better in terms of looks he was like well you know if, like uh, it's hard to say it's very hard for me to say this right now but he said he was yeah. like well yeah um, you are much better in the physical like uh like looks then she might be so it's like you could do better and stuff and I'm just like well I'm confused here like what should I do because at the same time I know uh, I know your father had said in one of his podcasts about you know Indian and Iranian relationships just not happen at all at the same time it's like well could there be a chance it could happen or because I've seen some good stories but at the same yeah. time I don't know. Yeah, there's a lot of different emotions. You're hearing a lot of things, and and at the end, you know, whatever anyone says, we want you to make the decision for yourself, and it it can be make sense to talk to people and consult and get some insights. But you're going to know 
what's best for yourself at the end and have to make that decision. I, I don't know. You mentioned something my father said specifically about that. I don't know if he ever did say that exactly, and I don't, I'm not sure about that. I definitely would not make that type of a conclusion about two cultures just cannot be together. And again, culture is not this um, kind of black and white binary thing that you're Persian or you're Indian or you're English or you're American because, uh, you know, for example, myself, I'm Iranian as far as background goes in my parents, but I was born and raised in the United States. So I'm very different from someone who currently lives in Iran or moved to Iran, moved to the U.S. a year ago, culturally. You know, you can't say, well, it's just we're the same culture. Absolutely not. We're very different culturally. Culture is a multifaceted thing. It's not this thing that we can just simplify into labels. So I would never say two people from any two backgrounds cannot be together to me that that would never be a place to start in general we want there to be similarity that's very important now going back even you said it's hard to say what your father has said about looks and that you can do better and comparing you and her um i could see how you don't like to to hear that and i think your father it, it sounds to me is getting too involved in pushing you away from this relationship and definitely making it very clear that you he thinks you shouldn't be with her from the cultural now he's saying the the looks and and who knows if that's really something or it's more the cultural or he's worried about something but um you know i I think what i'm hearing is he's pushing too hard pushing you away from her and i don't even know if this relationship is good or healthy for you and, and the right one but i wouldn't want you to feel this push from him that's so strong Uh, away from her and also kind of almost insulting her or putting her down in some ways with what he's saying i doubt that feels good for you as you were saying it's hard to even say it doesn't know she currently doesn't know that my father knows about our relationship okay i've never told her that my father knows i just said yeah i haven't talked about that so um what what's kept you what's kept you from telling him i think it's just a matter of fact just um I was like, well, if I just don't tell her right now, so it's just she wouldn't try to come into this life, and then my father seeing, and then because then it'll be too serious because I want to find out first before I even take that step. Okay. Of getting more serious. Just another thing that my father said is uh, when I went over to her house and let's say slept slept over for like a two days, he would say, "Yeah, you staying too much. Why would you even stay? At the end of the night, if you guys are not, you know, you guys are not partners." She should be treated as a girlfriend, not like a married couple. Because you know, why you staying over? You should come back home and sleep here. It's like I understand what he means by that in a sense, but it's like I'm like I'm 20 now. It's like, yeah, and and these I'm things are not black. Be. You know, he's presenting things very black and white about everything. I mean boyfriend and girlfriend spend the night people that aren't even in a relationship spend the night i mean it's it's not something where he can say this is like some rule you violated but he's trying to make it seem very black and white and telling you this is how it should be um and this is how it shouldn't be and i think that's going to make it even harder for you because the most important thing for me is for you to make the decision not just because you know you're going to definitely make the best decision i don't know but you have to make it because then you have to continue making the decisions in your life you know even if you um, let your dad pick your partner for you and even if he picks the right person now you have to create a relationship with them that you have to make a thousand decisions to make it work and see how things go so it seems like he's really you're a little bit confused but on top of that i think your dad is making you feel like you should undermine your own ability to make a decision and that's also making it challenging for you to 
to figure things out because he's basically telling you you don't know what you're thinking like you know this is all wrong or so many things you're doing um is wrong yeah, yeah. so that's not going to help you make uh, your own decision because we know how he, he feels he he would like for you to break up with her as soon as possible it seems um but you obviously are not not that clear on that so look we're at a commercial break and i'm glad i got to speak earlier with you so we can go a little bit deeper into yeah. things but let's chat a bit more after the break okay all right, no worries. Thank All you. All right. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Before the break, we're with the caller. Let's go back to him now. Caller, are you still there? Hello? Yeah. Hello. Okay. So um, we we're talking about some things you're currently going through. You have a girlfriend, um, a little bit unsure about some things yourself, but then also it seems like you're getting some pretty strong pressure from your father that he thinks it's not the right um, relationship. So, and you said your girlfriend doesn't know that your dad knows, um, but her family knows about you. Yes, that's correct. Okay. All right. Uh, She, yeah. Go ahead. She's spoken to her mother and uh, told her father. First, I mean, when they heard that I was uh, Persian, they were a bit taken back Mm -hmm. and um, they were like, well, why don't you just date an Indian guy? Mm-hmm. And then she was like, well, I'm 19 now. I want to date whoever I want. I like this guy. And, you know, all of that stuff pretty much was told. And finally, apparently now, the mother is on the good side, I think. She's accepted it. Because, um, you know, she has talked about me and, like, the things I do. I don't know, the, my education. I don't know, my financial, I guess, where I am or I, what kind of person I am and stuff like that. And what I've noticed thing is, though, in this relationship, I think I've helped her more, like with influencing, just getting her better than she has helped me. But I'm not sure if that's if that's normal or is it, should it be two sided, fifty fifty? Like mm-hmm. as an experience wise in life, I feel like I knew more. I'm not trying to like brag about myself or you know say I'm higher than her. Mm-hmm. Not at all, because you know she's different. She's better than me in different things than I am. At the same time, I feel like just knowing your way of, uh, around and independence, I've just been better at it than her. I've helped her out. That's one thing my dad noticed, and he was like, "Well, why has she helped you with? Because I see you helping her with, like, you know, everything, just trying to get her life around, uh, you know, stuff like that." And I was like, "Well, I don't know." You know well, we can talk I'm about really- that. You know, things are not going to necessarily be fifty-fifty, and we don't want to even keep track to that yeah. extent. At the same time, there has to be some level of balance. So it's not that we make it exactly okay, I helped you with this, you helped me with that. It's exactly equal, but we don't want to enter a relationship that is very one-sided or, you know, and that that's can yeah. be unhealthy. So tell me a bit about um, that, the dynamic you're saying of you helping her with her life, you know, what's going on, what was it that she needed help with? Um, tell me a bit about that. It's just, for example, I don't know, her wanting to, for example, get fitter or her just like not knowing her way around, I don't know, getting an appointment somewhere sometimes mm-hmm. or just getting confused. It's just them. Um, me having a car, for example, to be able to provide that kind of stuff, uh, in that sort of sense, it might not sound like much, but that's what my dad noticed, and that's what he said. I was like, "Well, okay, I see what you mean." Yeah, but I mean, I haven't noticed it. No, so now, not 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 to discount everything your dad says, because I'm sure he's making a lot of points that can matter, but we have to not just listen to it too much and I want to ask you about it like how you feel in the relationship because yeah. it does look like look your dad's going to find any reason um, to say 
you shouldn't be with her. You know, she wore a green shirt and green is bad because we should wear yellow or something. You know, he, he just looks like he's going to find right, something. Yeah. And there could be legitimate reasons, but it's just very clear he's trying to push you away from her. But in your relationship yeah, okay. with her, what do you think? Do you feel like it's one-sided? Do you feel like you help her and support her and she does not support you in any kind of way or doesn't support you a lot? To be totally honest, no. I think it's actually quite good. I think it's just I've got this drilled into my head that maybe that could be it. To be fair, I'm actually having an all right time here because, like, she's, you know, she's more connected with her emotional side than I am. Mm-hmm. So if I, like, get stressed, she'll try to get it out of me like okay what is it I'm, I'm like I don't know I can't really tell but she'll talk to me and try to get her you know ways of just um, getting myself to talk and get yeah. rid of that emotion you know for example and she's done a lot for me for example after my birthday she's done a hell of a lot more than I did for hers like that kind of thing like emotional side she's more connected yeah so and it is helping me mm-hmm. you know actually understand how what a woman are girls are how they act how they are so in that sense I'm having a good time mm-hmm. but yeah okay yeah, yeah that's very important what you what you shared and that's that's the thing is that it's not some um you know okay you helped her exercise four times has she made you work out more you know we don't want to make it so uh, transactional people give love and support yeah. in different ways and as i said it's more important about how you feel if it's like balanced and it's not one-sided sometimes people enter relationships and they're constantly giving more than the other person um, for lots of different reasons. And so that's not healthy. But if you're saying it feels more balanced or you actually recognize she gives you lots of support that you value in emotional ways that um, maybe it's challenging for you and she's actually helping you deal with things better, that that can be very important and very valuable and not something I would you know undermine or say is not important. So you do feel like you're supported by her uh, or you, you get from her. Yeah. Uh, okay. We've obviously had fights and stuff, sure. had arguments in the past, you know, and we always talked about it, and, but we always overcame it, and we got stronger. As soon, like, the more we had fights or arguments or just different things, like, I don't know, one thing I didn't like about her, one thing, one thing she didn't like about me, we got closer. Yeah. Well, that's and, and that's very uh, true. And that's very, um, you know, if, if arguments are dealt with in a healthy way... Uh, they actually do lead to the relationship getting stronger rather than getting weaker. Um, The first segment I was in a way talking about this issue that if we hold things in when they bother us in a relationship, it actually makes things worse. If we share them in a constructive way, it actually can make the relationship stronger. So that's good. You know, so clearly, you know, any relationship, there's going to be some good and bad. So some things we just talked about were some of the good. Earlier, you yourself shared some of your own concerns. Of course, your father... Um, either brought them up to or amplified them, but just some of your own concerns about the culture and religion and uh, some insecurities that might be triggered when she drinks, let's say, or goes out without you and is drinking. So um, these are all things to, to look at. But for me, what's important is that you're evaluating the relationship yourself. So another factor in your relationship with her is families. And from your side, we've talked about your father, but you also mentioned her parents and initially they both wanted her to date an Indian. Uh, you're saying her mom has come around yeah. a little bit more, but still that is a factor that you have to look at, not because you and her should do what your parents want. Uh, so when I talk to parents, I tell them not to get involved and 
give their kids the space to make uh, their decisions. But it can be an additional challenge of if you are, let's say, meeting each other's families and parents or connecting the families. And if they're not for the relationship, it can be an additional burden that you also have to look at when you're trying to see you know, how good this relationship is or how likely it is to, to continue. So that's something to look at and be aware of. Um, but what I'm concerned of is how much it seems like your father is pushing you away from her and not letting you evaluate what's going on. That's the thing I was going to go on to next, actually, about that. Because one of her things that she has an issue with me is, but it's gotten a lot better, is that she was like, well, I feel like you don't want to see me sometimes because I barely see you. Because she looks at, like, her other friends who are couples, and she just, like, she says, well, I can't be blamed to be a little jealous because they see their boyfriends, I don't know, like, four times a week, for example, three times a week. But I'm seeing mine once a week or once every two weeks sometimes. And that's just my part. I mean, not because it's just mainly my father. I am obviously busy with work and studying at the same time because I, I, I have told her, and she agreed with me and she said it's the same, that career comes first currently, you know, because we're young and we need to get that out of, you know, sorted, career, education, and stuff like that. So in that sense, like, we're normally busy. But I think sometimes my father's like, oh, don't go out, you know, like, why do you keep going out for too much? So sometimes I just say to her, yeah, I can't come out. I don't mm. know, my dad needs me or something like that. So it is a bit of a lie. Yeah. I don't really like lying, if that makes sense. I mean, it's not really a nice feeling. I don't want to be lied to, so I don't want to lie to anyone else. No, and I don't, we don't want you to do that. Yeah, we definitely don't want you to do that in in any relationship and it's just not good for the relationship and creates uh, distance and even mistrust, you know, when, if in some way she does find out you were lying to her and, you know, you're, even the things you were saying it to me in a very way that made it seem like it's what you really felt like, well, you know, work is first and things like that, but it seems like that's not the reason you're seeing her less than she wants maybe sometimes but it's less about that and more a pressure from from your father so tell me what happens you're saying okay i'm going to go meet up with her and he says no you shouldn't or what ends up happening we sometimes uh, countless times i've gotten in a fight uh with my father uh it's not been physical i mean i have been uh beat before and, mm. and not once but many times and obviously my dad has always cried about it afterwards and said you know he shouldn't do it and stuff and he, 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 so he had j- his own things just so I'm clear you're, you're saying your father has yeah. beat you before yes, yes. Hmm. Uh, that's I'm sorry to hear that when was the last time it's been I think a good few months like eight months nine months oh so that that's but not that honest, long I've gotten so I've gotten used to it that I feel sometimes numb about it. You know, when we have a fight now, I feel numbness. Because back then I used to feel, I don't know, either I got angry, for example, at him for, like, fighting, or I got scared, or I I felt unhappy, or just, you know, stressed. But now it just feels like a regular routine. It's like, ah, here we go again. Let's have another fight every two weeks about, you know, one thing. Yeah, that's not good. Obviously some of the things is, yeah. Hmm. So... I mean, I didn't mean to cut you off there in a way I did, but I was just thinking, you know, you said you're getting numb. Um, you know, go, getting numb means that feeling in this relationship or in this situation with him, uh, it's too painful, so it's easier to be numb, but that's a really sad sign. You know, it's a, it's a feel is, is too painful, which makes sense if it's 
physical and, and emotionally abusive or at least physically abusive and then um, uh, these fights are happening regularly it seems like you've learned to numb and that's not going to be good in general with dealing with relationships and things because you might get good at something that we don't want you to get good at which is kind of dis- dis- distancing yourself from what you feel and you're going through and so you might not even realize let's say you're upset or unhappy or don't like something because you've gotten used to numbing yourself to make a relationship work mm-hmm. and so that that really does yeah. concern me so I-, I would hope your dad rather than worrying so much about your relationship with this girl would worry about his relationship with you because it seems that's the one that needs a lot of work yeah, no. I mean, that he's the one that really suggested me talking to you. Okay. And, um, you know, listening to your father's podcast and stuff like that. So I, it's not like he's been a bad father. No, I'm not trying to know. say he's a bad you know, father. You know, yeah, yeah. At oh, all. No, I know. It's just, um, but at the same time, it's like one of our uh, frequent fights is that he is stressed over me forgetting my language. Because I came here over 11 years old, and I had to quickly learn English in school. But at the same time, my Farsi skills deteriorated a bit because I wasn't speaking that much. The only time yeah. I was speaking was at home with him. So now writing and reading is a bit, like, slow. You know, it's a bit run down a bit. It's, like, rusty. Yeah. And he's, like, he tells me every day at least, you know, watch, try to watch one episode of an Iranian series or try to come read a book to me. But sometimes I just, I get too... I don't know. Sometimes I just don't want to do it. You know, it's, it's not out of spite or anything. It's just no. I mean, it's uh, just boring. Because every time I try to do it, I get you know yawning and it's just you know it's like. Well, I mean, I do. Yeah, and so let me make it clear again that in no way is my intention to say he's a bad father or or to just criticize him to criticize, but to look at the relationship with you and what might be healthy and not healthy, and and even with that, the there's a controlling side and you know especially because you moved there when you were 11 um i would want you to even make sure your language it seems obviously speaking to you your english is quite good and there's no problems there but um you know you need english to survive where you are and i'm i wouldn't be so concerned about you losing you know the persian language maybe that's also because i can't read and write very well myself but uh in, in in persian but um it does seem like from what you're describing and the way you're talking about things there's a lot of controlling elements in your relationship with him it it could be that partially from a young age he had to take care of you all by himself so he really wants to protect you and try to make sure you don't go in a bad way and you know to make sure you're okay Um, but it does seem like it's coming on strong um, I was just about to say but his reason is like if I want to one day go back to Iran Am I able to fill out a form? That's I don't know, I'm given a form to write, uh, apply for a visa. Am I able to write it down? He asked me that. And I was like, well, probably not. And I was like, that's why I'm stressing you to learn it properly so you don't have that kind of issue in the future when you get older if you want to go back to Iran. Do you- he said there will definitely be an urge for me to want to go back to Iran for a while maybe or forever or just not even go. But being prepared, that's what he says. So do you, have a, and do you think there's a desire from you to go to Iran? Um, not right now, currently, because right yeah. now I'm more focused on getting my education sure. here. Because yeah. uh, I've applied for a course in university, and I wanted to finish that, and you know maybe yeah. work here for a while. Okay. But I mean, I, I I do want to be able to speak it though, like as long as I can, you know, one day maybe teach my children a few things, you know, like 
why not? It's that kind of thing for me. It's a good thing. Might as well. So it, at the same time, I'm forcing myself to do it, but it's like yeah. that motivation is not there. No, because it's, it's not, not coming from you. Um, and, you know, to, to learn a language or keep practicing it every day so that one day, if you want to fill out a form, you can fill out a form doesn't seem like a good enough reason. And it's not that it's bad for you to learn the language, but lots of things are good for you. you If you learn how to knit, that's not bad for you. But if you said my dad forces me to sit and knit for 30 minutes every day, I wouldn't say that's good, even though learning a skill is not a bad thing. So my concern is more the controlling element of the relationship and the pushing um, and the telling you what to do and what, you know, how you're supposed to to live your life. And then in your relationships, it, it seems to me from what you're sharing with me that he's too involved in, in your life and controlling and making the decisions and that's not healthy and it seems like you, the arguments you have maybe come from that too that he's you know you're not doing what he wants but you're not supposed to just do what he wants um you're supposed to live your life and of yeah. course you know there's you might have a certain expectations from you as father son that can make sense but not you living your life the way he wants you know i would like to continue with you if you'd like we're at another commercial break um let's chat a bit more after the break okay Right, no one is. Saying. All right, we'll be right back. Welcome back. Let's go back to the caller we were with before the break. Caller, are you still there? Yep, hello. Yes, okay. So, you know, we've covered a, a few different topics, you know, starting with your relationship, but also now we have your romantic relationship, and now we've gone into the the relationship with, with your father. Let me ask you, if you wanted something to change in your relationship with your father, changes, what would you want to see be different? Um, I'll be totally honest. I actually don't know how to answer that because... Sure. Thing I've just gotten so used to not thinking for myself. It's like, well, how do I want it to be? Because I don't want to. I don't want to push my father away. Yeah. At the same time, it's like, well, I want him to understand what I mean from my point of view. Like that, I like this girl. And he's like, but then he said to me, he's like, well, you're still 19. You're not experienced yet. You know, I've I've seen this kind of stuff. I'm like, well, yeah. What what do I do here? You know? Yeah. Well, what you said was really yeah. interesting because you said, I. You want to tell him how you feel, but you don't want to push him away. And I, I can get yeah. that's how you feel bec- because of what how he might come off. But that's the unfortunate thing that you're experiencing that a lot of people can fe- feel in a relationship is that either I have to be how you want me to be or say what you want me to say or I lose you. And I, I don't think you would lose him yeah. from what you're describing. But this, again, could be related to what we talked about before because of your mother going away, you might be more afraid of losing someone. Um, and so you might be more afraid of losing even your father that, okay, if I tell him what I really feel or think, I, I lose him. Now, the way you're describing him, it does seem like he comes on pretty strong and might not be the most open to hearing your side of things or thinks he knows what's best or what's better for you and what's best even maybe for you and him. Um, but nonetheless, I would encourage you to to talk to him or, or try to be more open with him about what you feel, not even so much about you and your girlfriend. I mean, that's a big issue that seems to come up a lot and maybe even fight about it a lot, but just more about you. I'm more thinking about you and his relationship rather than you and her relationship, you know? Yeah. No, I totally understand. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. So, so what do you, what do you think you'd want? Just go ahead and just, just, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. It's just, I want to say, so, should I just straight up go and just tell him 
what I've heard pretty much today, you know, in this conversation. Well, you definitely you can. I mean, sure, whatever you want to share he with did him. Tell me. He did tell me. He told me that if whatever you say, and it's like, because obviously, you, you know, um, whatever you say, and it's like, if it makes sense to <laughs> me, and I believe in it, yeah, then come on, tell me, and then we'll talk about it. So he is open about talking. You know, it's not going to be... That's good. Closed off. Yeah, that's good. And I mean, the fact that he asked you to call me and, you know, what you just shared there, those are good and hopefully promising signs. Um, and like I said, maybe yeah. he, th- I, it seems like, and was his, you know, even we could see there's something of him telling you to call me, there was some kind of controlling or he was making the decision for you. I, I, in this case, I'm very happy for it because I've gotten to talk to you now um, two weeks in a row. But even here, we can see that he's he's pushing you a bit to make the decisions. But nonetheless, um, even in having you call me, was it about specifically your relationship? Is that what he wanted you to talk to me about? It was, no, he pretty much, pretty much said, it doesn't have to be about the relationship. Obviously, you can talk about that. But it's just about myself and, you know, how I... I'm as a person trying to like get an image of myself and see myself, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, like in front of my own eyes, pretty much how I'm behaving, how I am, and then try to you know learn about that. And to be honest, I was a bit of I was a bit scared to call at yeah. first, like first last week because I was like, well, you know, what if he, what if the doctor says something that's like you know really hits me <laughs> in the spot, and I'm like, I don't, you know, it's a bit hard to hear these things like criticism and stuff. Yeah. But then when, as soon as I called, it just, it took the weight of my shoulders and I was like, oh. no, I'm, I'm happy I'd made that decision, so. Good. Well, I'm, I'm happy um, you called but, too. Yeah. Yeah, actually, I was, I was also surprised when you called last week and I think, you know, you're calling from the UK. I think it was, um, England, Denmark were playing in the semifinal. I don't know if it, during the Euros. I was actually surprised you called uh, from uh, during that time uh, of last week. But I'm yeah. glad you did call uh, last week and and today, and that we got to talk. And it, it's good. He's you know he was saying he wants you to kind of understand yourself better, which we've talked a bit about. I think I mentioned it last time, and I'll say it again. Uh, uh, you know, in a phone call like this, we can hopefully make some progress or talk about a few things but I really would recommend that you go to a therapy for a longer time if you really want to understand these things more deeply and get into them and work on them and continue to work on them so yeah. um, you know this can be just like an introduction to some things or overview of some things but in therapy you can go much deeper into the issues that you he even might be worried about and you might be worried about for yourself and I generally think it's good for everyone to go to therapy I myself have gone to therapy for years at different times in my life and I probably will go again soon because I think it's something good not that you just have some problem to fix but it's about self-awareness and understanding and working on yourself which yeah. I think we always should be doing yeah. um, so I'm, I'm glad he had that intention for you of, you know try to understand yourself better what might be going on uh, but I think what I would want f- for him to also hear as I said is your relationship with him needs a lot of improvement it seems. Um, yeah. and, and let me ask you that. Would you agree with that? I, I think so. I think you need to, uh, we need to like just sit down about this and just try to have an eye to eye conversation. Yeah. You know, like see where I'm saying and then I'll listen to him and then mm-hmm. rather than one sided kind of thing. Is it usually more one sided? Yeah. Um, obviously I, he does more to talking than I do about mm-hmm. the things that like, should do and stuff and I'm not saying it's been bad it has helped me like tremendously with a lot of things you know like just learning how to act you know for example you know stuff like that but um, at the same time about this relationship that's the only one that's really got me on my it's got me like a bit nervous about it it's like well you know I'm liking this I don't want to break up 
but at the same time, if he's right, then I guess I have to. I'm, I'm, you know. Well, that's even though you say you have to, that's a pretty strong, you know, kind of phrasing of it. But and the thing here for me is not even if your dad has good or bad advice. Maybe every piece of advice, let's say he's given you in your life, let's let's say it's been good. It's less about that and the fact that for you to really have a good relationship with him, it needs to be back and forth. Any kind of relationship, even including a parent-child and especially parent-and-adult-child relationship, it's not about giving just lectures and giving advice and then you hear it and then you go live your life. You and him need to be able to talk. And even actually for him to help you grow, it's going to be important that you can talk more to express what you're thinking, feeling, and then also for him to let you make decisions. And obviously sometimes they won't work out, but that's how you learn and grow as well. And so it's not that I'm saying, oh, your dad's giving bad advice. You need to make it more balanced. It's that in any relationship, we need it to be balanced where you get to share with him some thoughts. He may be, hey, you know, this is what I'm thinking, but then what do you think? But it does seem like it's much more here. This is, you know, I know the truth. I know better than you, and I'm going to tell you what to do, and you should go do it. And and if you don't, you're wrong or bad or, you know, whatever else may be the ways he might put it. But yeah. you're making the wrong decision or something like that. Um, that's the part I'm worried about. It's not even, oh, wait, tell me what his advice, his advice was. And if it's good enough, then, yeah, tell him to keep doing it. It's that I, I think it's going to be beneficial for your relationship to change, even when you were younger, but especially now and as you get older, that it can't just be in this very kind of, you know, I know and I tell you and you listen. It needs to be in a, hey, let's be able to talk about things. And even about if he wants to talk about your life, he hears you too, not just tells you um, what to do, you know? Yeah, no, totally, totally. Which, uh, yeah. But, but you do recommend me sitting down and talking then going over this kind of absolutely yeah. i mean i think you know talk uh, with him and and you know he has to be what we're also what i'm mentioning is it's not just a, of course i'd want you to talk about things like hey let's talk about the relationship let's talk about you know specific issues but i'm also just suggesting something that's even bigger than that and harder than that which is to change the dynamic of the relationship which you know he would first and foremost have to want to do that because it's going to be hard even if he wants it but if he doesn't want it he thinks no it has to be this way i got to tell my son you know i can get it from his side of my face no i'm protecting my son i don't want him to go down the wrong path or do the wrong things and if i know better than him shouldn't i tell him what to do and so there's some merit to that i don't want to say it's completely not there and he shouldn't tell you anything but it's that he's putting, I think, too much of a pressure and not giving you the space to grow and learn and understand what you want to do and to go through life experiences that helps you you gain that. Just being told to do the right thing doesn't lead to growth, you know? Um, you're going to have yeah. to make your own decisions and even sometimes fall on your face and realize what was wrong and get yourself back up and keep going. So, you know, that's the part that I would hope he recognizes. It's not that if he tells you less, it's because he's loving you less or helping you less. It's he's actually giving you the space to grow. So it's coming from a loving place that he would tell you less what you should do, you know? Mm-hmm. Totally, totally. Yeah. And uh, one other thing was sure. about some kind of course that I could maybe go on. Because I've heard there's like a different course, like transcend, uh, Transcendent Behavior courses or just psychology courses that I could possibly do. I'm, do you recommend any or know hmm. any names I could possibly write down and search up later on? I'm not sure what you mean by courses. When you said transcend, uh, you know, I've heard of like transcendental meditation. I don't know if that's what you meant. Right. Um, that's something different. I mean, meditation in oh, general. I, yeah, go ahead. It's just because uh, I've heard vaguely somewhere that uh, there are different courses that could be done. 
to better yourself and like gain more knowledge about stuff like that. You know, because I know there's like a life coach. I've heard of that thing. Sure. Um, yeah, uh, that's, that's a, a lot of people yeah. Yeah, and I'm sure there's courses out there. I, I can't tell you. I know a course that I would recommend in that way. You know, because I mentioned it. You know, meditation. I don't know if that's what you meant. Meditation is good for anyone. It's kind of like a physical exercise, but more in, in a way for your brain. So I would recommend that if you yeah. don't meditate, to look into that. And and even within meditation, I don't think there's one school of thought that's the best, and you should only do that. There's lots of different uh, forms of meditation, and they all can be helpful. So that's one thing. Um, but when you mentioned like a life coach, uh, that can be helpful too. But to me, if you're considering that type of route where you're meeting with someone one-on-one, I would recommend more going into therapy where it's more deeply going into your past, understanding yourself better. Um, life coaches, some of them do some of that, but more it's focused on what you're doing now a lot of times and, you know, behaviors and actions, which can be very helpful. But I think what right. you're looking for, even what your father was suggesting, but it's also uh, kind of the theme of this conversation, only if you think this is what you want. But if you want to get a deeper understanding of yourself, your issues, how they're affecting you, things that happened in your past affecting you now and in the future, I would recommend going to a therapist for a longer period of time where you really go deep into those mm-hmm. issues, you know, because, yeah, what you experienced in your past with your mother leaving and then your relationship with your father, you know, we can be pretty clear that these are going to have impacts on you now and also on, uh, on the relationships you're going to form and even the people you choose to be in a relationship with, which is true of everyone. We get affected by our past, but you've had some pretty harsh things to go through with your mother leaving. And it does seem like some aspects of your relationship with your father are pretty negative. If he was physically abusive. That to me is toxic and very hurtful and not beneficial at all. And I know you said it's been a few months. Uh, Another just clear take home, I hope he would hear this, is that that's never the way to deal with you and never okay for him to to lay a hand on you um, at all. That's just poison. So if he thinks he's helping anything by doing that, he's not. And that's something I would hope he would stop immediately. Uh, I know it's been a few months and I hope it never happens again. But if you can tell him that or if he listens to this again, just I hope he hears that message that that is only coming from a bad place, has no benefits in any way. You know, he's saying, my father says this or other people say this. You're not going to hear one person tell you that hitting your child or hitting anyone is good for them. It's only bad. So if he's saying we should listen to people, then he also needs to listen to them and make sure he's recognizing what he's doing there is not okay at all. You never need to have him lay a hand on you again. Um, and I know you're saying you right. numb yourself. And I think that's another way you were saying before you sometimes just kind of accept things so he doesn't go away or to just keep the relationship. But that's very, very unfair to you. And if he wants to teach you anything about having good relationships with whoever you, or, you know, with your current girlfriend or whoever you're going to be with, the best thing he can do is have a healthy and non-toxic or non-abusive relationship with you. So as I said, I would want him to focus more on his relationship with you than your relationship with her because that's much more in his control yeah. and clearly has a lot of room for improvement. And I hope for you and for him that you guys will, will work towards that. That's it, yeah. No, that's great. Thank you very much. Yes. Uh, I, I'm, I'm so today, glad you called back. Thing, yeah. I, yeah, you know, last week we had a kind of shortened time and I'm glad you called back and we got a little bit more time yeah. to go into it. But wish you the best and wish him the best. I'm glad he asked you to call because I got to talk to you uh, and, and wishing you guys nothing but the best. Yeah, thank you very much. That okay. was great. I appreciate it a lot. My Have pleasure. A great day. You too. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 
All right, let's go to another commercial break. 310-441-0555. We'll be right back. Welcome back. So I got to wrap up a nice conversation with that young gentleman there and, and wanted to share some thoughts on some things that came up uh, in the conversation that I think are important, especially when it comes to parenting and parenting relationships with kids, um, especially adult children, but even in all ages and stages of life. So parents, of course, I always talk about how it's the hardest and biggest responsibility or role that someone can have in their life and one that obviously should be taken seriously but of course because of how difficult it is we know it's challenging lots of mistakes will be made and and you should be trying your best of course but knowing that there will always be shortcomings in what you do uh, and because of that we should also take it seriously and that we first uh, look at ourselves and who we are because um, our own histories what we've been through who we are now, our personality, the way we view things, that's obviously going to have a huge impact in our how we are as parents. But also we need to study and learn child development, psychology of child development, different techniques when it comes to uh, from raising your kids to phys physiologically what they need, all sorts of things. We need to put the time and effort so we can't just say this is an important role and a big role, but I'm not going to do anything to prepare for it or just, uh, you know, I, I should be able to do it. A lot of times people will say things like, well, being a parent, it's a natural thing. There's a natural uh, part of us that's being parents, a paternal drive, a maternal drive. And so, yes, the desire to be a parent can be very natural and innate for people and they can want it very badly. But it doesn't mean being a good parent is something innate, that you are just naturally good at parenting. There are some drives and pulls, you know, let's say uh, you see a child crying, you're drawn to them to want to take care of them. So it doesn't mean we have no preparation in some way innately to be a parent. But again, it doesn't mean you'll be good at it. Just like the desire to be with someone romantically might be there to have a partner to be with someone. But it doesn't mean you're just a good partner right off the bat. So the same things apply of understanding yourself, learning about yourself, and then also learning about relationships and what it takes to be a good partner that's important we also want to make sure you do what it takes to be a good parent which involves learning evaluating and continuing to learn and evaluate because it's it's not going to be something that once you know you're done as you are a parent you have to keep learning uh, as you go but another aspect i wanted to focus on is parents also of course we think well i'm teaching my children about life about how to live um and that's all very true, especially when they're younger, they're looking to you, they're modeling you, whether you want to teach them something or not, they're watching you. And so they're learning from you. So we have to, to do that, of course, when they're kids. And as they get older, you continue doing that. But we also have to recognize that we have to be aware of our relationship with them, not just being about, I have to teach my kid certain things or what I see very often now, is I have to be my child's academic manager. And the thing I'm just worried about is their homework, their classes, the teachers, what classes they take next, what does this mean for their college and all that. Partially, I think it's because in countries like the United States, college admissions has become this crazy process 
that's way too competitive and way too unhealthy in the sense that what we're asking kids to be or to become is not even something good. So to be a good candidate for uh, college admissions often means not being a healthy human being, not being well-rounded, not really um, doing things because you like them or finding that you enjoy them, but just so you check some boxes off to meet the requirements of grades and APs and uh, extracurricular activities and leadership activities and musical instruments, all just to look good on paper to these schools. I think it's very unhealthy. And oftentimes I think it's led to parents feeling this unhealthy pressure that I have to get my kid into a good college um, because that's all that matters in life and going to make them successful. So that does become the focus. So some of it I think is related to that. But overall, parents at times can be more focused on managing their kids and their life in certain ways rather than having a relationship with them or I very often work with families where they want to have their teenagers stop doing something stop smoking weed or using a vape or drinking or uh, doing whatever it might be and they become focused on that and sometimes the relationship becomes all about that is the kid smoking or not is the only thing that is really involved in the relationship between the parents and the kid nothing else really matters. The kid comes home and the parents are checking their eyes or trying to smell or look around or see who are they with, what did they do. Uh, even sometimes they want to do drug tests or different things. And the whole focus becomes on this issue of this one behavior or action. And so what I tell parents a lot of times is that if we really look at it, you can't control your kid's behavior. So if your kid wants to vape, I'm not saying I want them to. I think it's very bad for them. It's not healthy. So I understand your desire for them not to do that. But for you to think you're going to be able to completely control it, it's almost definitely not possible. So you can't stop that from happening. But what you do have in your control, or at least a lot of your control, or you can have an impact on, is your relationship with your child. And so this came up with the previous caller that I was telling him since he said his father um, had recommended he call me was that I would hope his father focuses more on his relationship with his son while, rather than his son's relationship with his girlfriend that he seemed to not be in favor of. Because, first of all, making that decision for him would not, to me, be the right thing. But on top of that, that's much less in his control than his relationship with his son, which we, we both agreed clearly could use some work and needed help. So I hope that will happen for them. And so if you're listening to me talking now and you're a parent, you might be thinking, I need to get my son or daughter to do this or to stop doing this, get them motivated, get them to study more, get them to do this more. And you do have impact on those things, but you want to make sure you're definitely not approaching it in a controlling way and realizing that they have to want to do or not do whatever it is that we're talking about. Um, but the other important thing is to realize if you focus so much on controlling some behavior, what you're going to do is you're likely not going to control anything. You're not going to get them or to do something or not get them to do the thing you want them, to, whatever it is that they're doing or not doing, but you're going to damage your relationship with them. And that's something I've seen time and time again, that there's no more relationship. It's just this management and this kind of punishment and this kind of cops and robbers or, you know, uh, prisoner type mentality where we're just going to control you, but there's no longer a relationship with with your child. And that's your primary responsibility is to have a relationship 
that is a full relationship with the kids that you have? Do they talk to you about other things other than school, if that's a thing you're worried about, or other than what they're doing or not doing? What I see happen often is kids might be doing something their parents don't like, or they don't think their parents like it, or their parents give them a hard time, and they get more and more distant. So yes, in the teenage years, your kids are going to talk to you less, but often I see families and work with families where they say, oh, our, our kid, you know, they, he or she just goes to their room and doesn't talk to us at all, doesn't tell us anything. And part of that can be because when they tell you something, it's followed by 20 other questions or it could feel like an interrogation or can feel like they can say something. It's kind of like what, you know, the Miranda rights they read here in the United States. Anything you say or do can be used against you. So they're afraid to say something because it might be used against them. So if that's the case, you're better off not saying anything at all. So by trying to control your kids, what you're essentially doing is you're squeezing and you're squeezing kind of the life out of your relationship with them. I'm going to get them to stop doing this because that's going to make them happy and good. You're not realizing that you're not going to get control that thing. And on top of that, you're just squeezing them and pushing them away from you rather than helping them. So what is in your control is your relationship with them. Not 100%, because of course, if there's two people in a relationship, they obviously have to play their part as well. But especially when you're a parent, a lot more of it is in your control. You are still, even though I try to encourage things to be less of a power struggle and dynamic, you're still more of the, you are the authority figure in that relationship. So you can dictate much more of what's going on. So the relationship is much more in your control. Their behavior is not. And if you focus on trying to get them to do something or not do something, you're just going to damage the relationship without getting this result that you think is going to be helpful for them anyway. And on top of this, we also have to be aware that as they get older, this dynamic more and more has to change away from, I have to tell them uh, what to do or get them to do this or not do this, to letting them make the decisions from them for themselves. Even from a young age, we want to make sure we're giving them enough agency, enough authority and responsibility in their lives, but especially as they get older. And so you have to ask yourself, it's not just if I know, which first of all, that no, you should doubt yourself more than that. If I know what's right or wrong for them, and if I do, I have to tell them, get them to do it, to actually realizing it's about them going through life and growing and living. If they're in a relationship, rather than saying you have to do this, don't do this, start doing that, uh, not even be with them or date this person or not that person, you need to let them go through the process of meeting someone, dating someone, having the ups and downs in the relationships, because that's how they grow. Growth isn't just about you don't make mistakes or you make what's quote unquote the wrong or the right decision. It's about going through life and experiencing things and learning from those experiences rather than just the choices being right or wrong. So as your kids get older and get into their teenage years and then get into you know being a young adult, you want to be very aware of how much am I telling them what to do because you're not helping them. If anything, you actually are more likely to be hurting them. And so what I've seen is a crisis in young adults. I work a lot with Iranian families, but in general, where because there's been a lot of controlling and a lot of making the decisions, telling them you don't know what you're doing, I'm going to tell you what to do. When the child and now young adult has to make big decisions about what to study and what type of career to pursue, who to possibly date and marry, they feel very unprepared 
to face life and to make these decisions because they've been told one uh they've been, the decisions have been made for them two by the decisions being made for them you're also implicitly and sometimes even explicitly telling your child you don't know what to do you're going to make the wrong decision if you make it i have to make it or someone else has to make it for you so now when they're thinking what should i do they don't even think to ask themselves or they're too afraid or if they do think something they think oh how do i know this is right or i was told so many times what i think is totally wrong is not the right thing to do so i, I don't know and so uh, you know i can ask them what do you think you want to do or what do you like and they can feel very blank and very stuck i have no idea i don't know at all I think partially um, they maybe are unsure, but I think also they're not used to even hearing that voice within them that might tell them what they should do or what they need to do. So this goes back to one of the aspects of parenting that you're not just preventing pain, you want to promote growth, which means allowing your child to go through discomforts, letting them first of all have the faith or showing them you have the faith that they can make the decision themselves and that they can deal with the decision consequences whether they're good or bad or somewhere in between and learn from that but if you just think okay my kid can do this or this this is better let me make sure they do that you're taking away a big aspect of life and of growth which is choosing contemplating making a decision and then dealing with those consequences so i hope parents listening will keep this in mind when you're dealing with your kids that even from a young age let me make sure it's not just about what's good or bad or what i think is good or bad but let them make decisions on their own and as i said it in a very brief way but also stress here this concept or idea that i know what's right for them you really have to question that knowing that you have you have a feeling you have a preference you think you might no, but you have to humbly understand that you don't know what's best for someone in any situation. Parents will tell me all sorts of things. I know this is best for them. I know this is right for them. You have a feeling I prefer they do this. I don't want to talk too much about the previous caller because you know he's no longer here and even the father who I'll talk about just now quickly, you know, saying learning the language or staying link, keeping the language. You have a feeling about that. It can be good and it's not bad to know a language, but to say you know, he didn't say this, but let's say, I know it's better for them to do this. There's a lot more to it than that. So we have to even recognize, I don't know what's necessarily best for them to begin with. And even making the decision for them might not be what's best. So remember that your kid's behavior and especially your teenage and adult child's behavior is not in your control, nor should it be in your control. But what is much more in your control is your relationship with your child throughout their life and realizing that your role as a mother or father is not about controlling and making decisions and managing, but about having a relationship with your child. All right, let's go into our last commercial break. Studio number 3104410555. We'll be right back. Welcome back. I wanted to end the show today talking about being judgmental, which um, it doesn't take a lot of uh, judgment to realize that's not a good thing. But I did want to talk about how difficult um, it can be to to either uh, suspend our judgment because uh, I'll kind of walk us through this a little bit. When we in 
engage with anything, whether it's a person, an idea, a decision, we have an initial feeling towards it. And when we look at research on decision-making, when it comes to moral decision-making and other factors, we see that feelings are actually a big part and the, the first part when it comes to making a decision. So most people, if you ask them why they support a gun law or are against a gun law, pro-abortion, against abortion, whatever it might be, we think it's because of our pure logical reasoning that we've come to some decision, that there's no feelings involved. It's just about logic and reasoning. But uh, Jonathan Haidt did research years ago showing that it's much more about our feelings when it comes to even moral decisions or even, uh, let's say, legislative decisions or political type of decisions. It's much more about feelings that initially make a decision and the reasoning comes after. So you might think I'm passionate about gun rights or abortion just because of the issue it's so big and then now I have feelings but a lot of it is that the feeling came first and the decision is kind of like a you know we have a lawyer that comes in after the fact to defend us whatever is the case you know lawyer if they're defending you it's not that they're thinking you're guilt not guilty but they're just going to defend that you're not guilty and so similarly uh, our brains in a way are, are wired in a way that we feel something and then the, the logic comes in to explain uh, why we think what we think. So we have a feeling first, and this is why actually making a judgment or suspending a judgment takes effort. We might think if I'm making a judgment, even the way we say it, that takes effort to, to do that. I'm judging that this is bad or good. I had to make a decision. I had to put effort. But really, it's actually the decision is happening automatically or that emotional response is happening automatically. If we're going to suspend judgment, it actually takes effort. So this is something that came to me recently. I kind of had recognized it but not thought of it in this way. And that's why I wanted to share it today because I think it's a uh, kind of puts it on its head or flips the order. We usually think, oh, it takes effort to be judgmental. Just don't judge, right? We even say it that way. Don't judge, don't make a decision. But we have to realize it's the other way around. I already feel something about everything, basically. And so now it's about not putting too much weight into that because that's the part where people might not recognize they have more control. So the first step is always we have to be aware of the feeling. So to think, no, I don't care about this or I don't think about this probably isn't true and means we're not in touch with what's going on. We always have a feeling to something and that feeling, if we break it down in a very general way, it's either positive or negative, meaning it's feeling good or feeling bad, going towards the thing or going away from the thing. But then there's also the intensity. So it can be very low intensity or very high intensity. So I might tell you the color brown and you might not feel that much about it. Maybe you kind of like it, but it's not that strong. Or I might tell you um, your daughter's name and you have a strong positive feeling towards that. So it's positive and it's very strong. So when it comes to making a decision or looking at people's behavior or a certain person, we have to first recognize I already have a feeling about it that's just there. 
And and that part of it often is not in our control. You can't really control why you feel that way. And it could be for lots of reasons. You've maybe encountered this thing in the past, someone like that in the past. Even I said name. I can tell you a certain name and maybe some of it, if you've never met someone with that name, it's about how nice you think it sounds. But if you know someone with that name, you don't like that name because of that. And I've actually seen parents, they're trying to name their kid and they say, oh, what about the name, you know, Penelope? And then someone says, oh, yeah, I knew this Penelope in college and I really didn't like her. So, no, I don't want that name. So because the name is associated with that person for this person, they don't like that name. And if they're aware of it, they see that's why. It's not, oh, it's too many P's or it sounds this way or it sounds that way. No, it's that they dislike someone with that name. And so for them, it's associated with that. And so our brains function in this way. They're predicting machines. So when we tell it about something or encounter something, it has a type of a positive or negative response to it right off the bat without us really controlling that part. But here's where we're not just feeling beings. I'm very big on promoting our feelings because I think, one, they're very important and they're going to run the show if we're not aware of them. But we have higher order ways of thinking that can then counteract what we just feel. So our feelings don't just make the decision. So when I encourage people to get in touch with their anger, it doesn't mean now that I realize I'm angry at this person, I can do anything to them. I then now have to decide how to deal with this feeling I am now aware of. Okay, I'm angry with my friend. How do I want to deal with this? Do I want to tell them? How do I want to tell them? Do I want to save it for later and tell them whatever it is, I have now a decision to make. So when you encounter something, you have a feeling, but if you're aware of it, you can make sure you don't let it turn into a judgment. So you can be aware of, you know what? I already don't like this person because I realize they're from this country where I've had some bad interactions. And so I don't want it to lead to being racist or judgmental in some way. The feeling you can't just change immediately. You can change over time by, for example, let's say, you know what? I have these few negative interactions with people from that country. Let me actually go see the good of that country and the people because there's good in all people uh, in all cultures and all backgrounds. So what if I expose myself to the good of that? And if you do over time, that negative association will change because it won't just be like, oh, yeah, those three people I interacted with that I didn't have a good relationship with. Now I'm seeing, oh, look at this person doing humanitarian work. Oh, look at the, the beautiful music and the art and other things. Getting that exposure over time, not just immediately, and it doesn't mean automatically, can lead to that changing. But first, I have to even be aware that the negative feeling is there and I have to actively go against it. And so when someone shares something with us, so someone says, I want to do this. Now, you might want to say, I don't want to judge it, but you initially will have a positive or negative feeling about it. I don't think they should do it or I think they should do it. Now, that's your starting point. But this is where, again, that's automatic. The active part is to suspend judgment. Say, you know what? I feel myself leaning this way. And you might not even tell them this. Some of this is going on in your head. But let me think things through a little bit more. First, maybe I can see why I'm getting pushed that way. Okay, actually, maybe I'm pushed that way because I I don't like the thing they want to do or the last person that told me they did that had a bad experience. So I'm skewed in that direction. Okay, that's where my feeling might be coming from. Now let me think about it a little bit more. 
So this can be tough for some people to recognize because they might think I'm not a judgmental person. And there's a difference when we say judgmental in that we're putting people down or really harshly uh, making decisions about them based on certain things. But we have to recognize we're all judgmental in the sense that we all have feelings and reactions to certain things. So that's our starting point. And so when we're actually trying not to be judgmental, what we're saying is that I'm not going to give that much weight to my reactions. So if I just realize I don't like something they're doing, and you might think, you might realize this, people that are very judgmental, what they'll do is they'll say, for example, I've, you know, I've heard this recently, okay, tattoos. Oh, people with tattoos are this or that, which is all based on just your own emotional reactions to things. And so rather than saying, oh, you know what? I think I just have a negative view on tattoos or feeling about tattoos because when I was young, my parents used to say lots of things about people with tattoos. I heard that a lot my whole life that all people with tattoos are this or they're that or the way it was portrayed in the media. If I think about it, it was always something kind of maybe a person who is not as good might have a tattoo. So that's where I'm coming from. So we're actually recognizing that that feeling, it doesn't mean everything. We listen to it. We have uh, um, acceptance that it's there. We want to try to understand it, but we're not going to give it so much weight to say, okay, I've had that feeling. It has to be totally bad. People that are judgmental have that feeling and they say, oh, yeah, see, they're such bad people. Uh, you know, they're not good. And look, I can show you this example or that example. They hold on and fixate too much on that feeling and try to prove it right so strongly that they'll find a way. And you can always find a way to prove yourself right. We're very, very good at that. And you can find examples to support what you think or believe or feel. And then you'll even more further feel that that's true. So what we want to shift towards is to actively be open-minded. And so again, being judgmental almost comes to us more automatically and naturally and is happening behind the scenes all the time. Suspending judgment or countering that takes some effort. You know what I'm feeling? Like I don't like this person, but I want to recognize that that could be based on some feelings and things that might not be that important. And here's another area that gets a little bit complicated. I actually value intuition, not in some magical sense that has to be coming from somewhere outside of us, but that our feelings are very good at picking up on things, or we are very good at picking up on things that we might not be aware of. You might walk into a room and you have this negative feeling and you might realize later, oh, it's because I actually was here once, you know, a while ago and something bad happened here. So the feeling actually unconsciously knew more than you knew consciously. And over time, you were able to become aware of it that, oh, that's why I didn't like it. And maybe that's something good. Oh, yeah, there was someone bad that lives in this area that maybe is still here that hurt me last time. Or you might realize like, oh, yeah, that was because that time I slipped here and fell. It has nothing to do with this place being unsafe. Maybe I'll look at that place where I slipped and not make sure I don't fall again. But this place isn't bad was because I fell that I have this bad association with this place. So this is where it does get a little more challenging that there is some value to paying attention to those feelings as well, which I would encourage you to do. And this is where the discernment becomes important of why am I feeling this? So always just even in relationships, but also in something like making decisions, the what is very important. I'm being drawn towards this. I feel this way. But the why is so very important because that can inform us of what we should do with that feeling or what type of information it's giving us. 
oh, you know what? I'm having this feeling and I'm realizing, oh, that's right. This person actually did this and this and this, and I kind of forgot about it. So I don't know if I should trust them when it comes to doing this with them. Or we might realize the why is, oh, you know what? This person is wearing the same shirt that other person did that I didn't like, and I'm associating that with them. And there's no recipe to know for sure that why it's an exploration we don't get a hundred percent answer sometimes things resonate more you're like you know what i think this feels right i kind of understand this to be the case but we won't always know so we're faced with this challenge of listening to our feeling because it has value listening to our feeling because it can tell us something before we really understand what it is consciously unconsciously it's telling us something so we're conscious of the feeling, but we don't know the why. So we want to pay attention to that part. And there is value in intuition that it might be telling us something that's very important. This is why I don't like this. This is why I didn't want to do this thing. But we do have to also be aware that sometimes that feeling isn't something good. I've been told people that do this are bad. And so I already assume before I know, or I had a bad experience with someone with this name or someone who looks this way. That's why I don't like this person. And also the vice versa. I really like this person. Oh, it turns out it's because they remind me of this other person it has nothing to necessarily do about them. Or it could be actually they have these good qualities and I should want to be with them. And this is what I mean that it's a constant type of a exploration that we have to go through and try and understand first, what am I feeling? And then why am I feeling this? And then also realizing that our pull and push towards people and things and ideas and decisions is often or always includes an emotional component. And to try to suspend our judgment before we too firmly make a decision, take some action or active uh, necessity or behavior from us. I have to stop myself from too clearly thinking I already know. So this is again, this challenge. I listen to my feelings, but I don't let them dictate the situation. I listen to my intuition. I try to understand it, but I don't just listen to it 100%. I know some people will say your intuition will never, you know, lead you wrong. I've heard that a lot. And I, I think there's some wisdom to some of it, but this never, we look for these black and whites because it makes it easier. If my intuition says this, I should do it. But when we look at who people get attracted to in relationships, their intuition is often leading them towards the most unhealthy people because it's reminding them something of their past, something of their parents that's unhealthy, something they wish to resolve. So I try to stay away from making absolutes that your intuition is always right or something is always wrong because I don't think anything is that simple. Your intuition can definitely have wisdom that you might not consciously be aware of. It can definitely guide you in important ways. It's very important to listen to those inner feelings because they can tell you so much, but they can sometimes lead us astray too. It would be nice to have an easy answer, but it's just not that way. So when we first start trying to make a decision, be aware of that feeling, be aware that being judgmental is actually the automatic as far as making a judgment initially in a snap way. It takes some effort to counteract that, to suspend judgment. Listen to the feelings. First, try to get the what, 
but make sure you don't stop there. You have to go to the why, because if you just have the what, you might not realize you're getting bad information, really, information that's not going to help you in this, this, this decision. Once you get to the why, that can help you. And then, of course, we use our higher order type of thinking to also look at the pros and cons of what we're going through. And then recognizing at the end of the day, we'll never be 100% about a decision or a judgment. There's almost no, no way to get to that point. But we get to a point where we feel good about it or it feels most right to us. We make the decision, we go forward and we live with the consequences. All right, that brings us to the end of today's show. A big thank you to Ghazali here in the studio. You've been listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Tulakwi. Have a wonderful day. Thank you.